Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 715. Art is a lie that tells the truth. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, artist Randy Owens. Hey, Randy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. All right, paintbrush in hand. Randy Owens is a world-renowned automotive artist whose vibrant colors, clean form, and crisp edges have excited enthusiasts and collectors for decades, including me. After being introduced to auto racing in 1978, Randy began making serigraphs of motor racing subjects in his own unique style. He has produced over 300 handmade editions and has signed his name to more original pieces of art than any other automotive artist in history. He staged over 200 exhibitions in five countries, and his art hangs in museums and private collections around the globe. Randy has created event posters for Grand Prix races and events from Indianapolis to Bahrain. So, Randy, I have told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career, your business, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, thank you, Mark, uh, for the warm introduction. I've been doing this longer than I can remember, I think. Um, I started uh, making prints in uh, 1977, uh, actually, uh, automotive prints. It's funny how I got started in this uh, business. My future brother-in-law was a race fan and had lots of photography. He had done at Formula One races, Watkins Glen, Mid-Ohio, and so on, mm -hmm. and introduced me to, to racing through, through his photography. I was intent on being an artist. I'd been an artist since I was a very small kid. I'd done, been in private art classes from age seven. Always knew that that's what I wanted to do. It wasn't, um, wasn't that I was a car guy to start with and uh, then became an artist. It was the other way around. Mm. So I uh, uh, wanted to learn more about silkscreen printmaking. And that was the method that I really felt strongly about. I'd seen some works from some other artists, and it really drew me in. So then I was uh, searching for subject matter, and his photographs of racing intrigued me. The sharp edges of the, of the, the graphics on the cars, the sponsors, the, the way the cars were built. These were early Formula One cars, early, like, the 70s. Yeah. So I just experimented with that and started making some prints and hand-cutting stencils with a knife and wanted to go that way. And uh, along the way, I, I really started to uh, feel strongly that the, this worked. It was a good match of subject matter and medium. The art tells you how to do it. The art draws you in and, and the materials, they, they lead you along if you, if you let them. So I pursued the did a few car prints and then i did some animals and some landscapes and some sailboats and went back to cars again and <laughs> then did cars again and and stayed with it and uh it was is very exciting for me to start selling a few of my prints at local bookshops and gallery and so on and oh yeah i said well i i need to go to a race and set up a show I, i've got to go do that yeah. and uh, my very first venture was uh, Daytona 24 Hours in 1978. Oh, my gosh. 
and I, I showed up with basically just in a in a van with with a buddy, and you know, it's like the guy with the raincoat. You you pull it up, and you go, <laughs> hey buddy, you want to buy a picture? You know, hey. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, those are very simple times. Yeah. And that year, I went to three different events. In '78, I went to Daytona, 24 hours. And then I went to Indianapolis. Cool. Showed out of the trunk of my car in the infield. Just opened it up and put a put a picture up. And then later that year, I went to Watkins Glen. Showed up out of the blue and said, "Here I am. I got some prints in my trunk. And where's my? How do I get a booth?" Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, had to go down to the local hardware store to make the arrangements with the guy that that was in charge of the vendors, and he had one space left, and it was all the way down at the end. And and from there, I I knew that that was really what I wanted to be doing was hanging out at the races. The thing I really found to be interesting was when I sold a picture to a race fan, they were so excited. They were so enthusiastic about buying a piece of art. It wasn't like anything else that you would experience if you sold a picture in a gallery. It was kind of an ordinary business deal. Right. But when you sold it to a race fan, there was some passion there. And there were people, They, I, I would hear this comment more than once. I didn't know I liked art until I saw your prints. You know, oh, they didn't yeah. Even, they didn't even know that, what that it was That was something about. they were into, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how it all started. Well, it's pretty amazing because I look at your work and I've known about it for so long. It has such a distinct style and it's evolved and changed over the years. It's pretty cool to know that you just started out of the trunk of a car and went to races and got people excited. And we're going to learn a lot more about your automotive journey as we walk through the questions here. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has some meaning to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Randy, take the wheel. There's... um one that always comes to mind, and it, it's not a lot about racing at all, but it, I like to quote Picasso when he says that art is a lie that tells the truth. <laughs> Interesting. That's amazing. Uh, now, now, how have you incorporated that into what you do with your art? Is there a correlation there? I think there's a forgiveness that happens when you, you, try, to, um, you, you try to make the, something happen with with your white paper and you you start to sketch and you start to create something and and you realize that that you don't have to be totally literal you can you can lie mm. because mm. it's going to ultimately in the end it's going to tell the truth very interesting i had not heard that quote before so i'm so glad you shared that with us now you usually ask people at this point about a story that instigated their passion for cars you mentioned that you were an artist first and then you became a car guy so is there a pivotal moment when you realize that you know what i am an artist but i like cars that's what i'm going to focus on well i think it was the the experiences of needing to have an occupation needing to pursue some pursue a job mm -hmm. uh, in the early you know, I was probably 20 years old when I first started going to the races with with my art and it was uh, pretty much a conscious uh, decision to let's see let's see if this path works and through meeting so many cool people and having so much fun <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it became obvious I needed to do that. And to a lot of people, it was obvious. I knew nothing about cars. And they would come up and go, wow, you know, these are beautiful. But I go, well, I, you know, I don't know what I'm drawing. I'm <laughs> still trying to figure it out. One time I was drawing a, a 
67 lotuses from an old photograph. And I, I said, what is this is really funny looking suspension part. Well, I, it must be there. And I drew it in and, and it's on the print. But I went back later and, and I looked at it and, it and it really was a shadow from part of the curbing as the car was coming around a corner. Oh, I, my goodness. I, I interpreted it as a suspension part. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that funny? This whole process of looking at cars a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has, uh, has been something that uh, that I've learned. Now, I, I know a little bit more about them now uh, than I did 40 years ago. Sure. But I'm, um, my passion is still about where to put the color and how to draw the line. Yeah. And it's not so much um, how the car is aspirated or how the springs work and <laughs> how the brakes work and so on. Fascinating. Well, Randy, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or big failure. Choosing to pick art as a profession, a vocation, to make money at that is a challenge, a huge challenge. But you've overcome that with your success and notoriety. So I would assume along the way, though, you've met up with some challenges. So could you share one of those with us? And of course, the most important part of this lesson here is the lesson. What did you learn from that? So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career along the way? Well, you get these potholes, as I call them, and glitches and bumps in the road. You'll get, you'll get those frequently. They happen all the time. A really big one that comes to mind right now was in 2001. I was creating a poster for the second United States Grand Prix at Indianapolis. Mm. And I was featuring the the order of the finish of the cars from the first race from the year before. So I had the two Ferraris and then the Jordan was, was the third place car. I had been at a Formula One race and I went to the uh, Ferrari team, spoke to, um, I'm, I'm sure it might have been John Todd at the time. He was the chief there mm, yeah. and, and, and said, well, I'm doing this piece. And I, and I had a good introduction because I, I was doing work for Bridgestone mm -hmm. at that point. In fact, I had done the Bridgestone motorsports calendar now for 23 straight years. Oh, my and, gosh. And I had been doing uh, pieces with them, so they, they hooked me up with the best credentials, and I could go in and walk around in the garages and stuff, and they nice. introduced me. So I said, well, this is I need to get permission from Ferrari. And so they took me down there, and we talked. to, And they said, yeah, that would be fine, no problem. Just you know, go for it. So I created the piece, and there was a lot of, a lot of hoopla that there was a full page ad in Road and Track that um, was a sort of a co-op piece on that that came out. There was a lot of high expectations for it because of our big success with the first year. The, the inaugural event was just huge. We hit it out of the park with the inaugural U.S. Grand Prix. Yeah, um, I had a booth at the at the track and the whole thing. So the second year, I'm doing this Ferrari piece. And then Indianapolis says, okay, by the way, we need to get Ferrari's permission. We've got to have that in writing. So get us a letter. So I went to Ferrari and said, well, we got to get a, here's the, here's the art and we're, we're creating this, but I have to get permission in writing. And they said, no. So I'm hung out to dry here. And I, I go through they Bridgestone. say why they said no? Well, they didn't really tell me why, but I asked uh, Yasukawa, uh, from Bridgestone, he was the director of motorsport. I said, "Can you get to the bottom of this?" And apparently, they had a um, a third party, worldwide, exclusive poster contract with a company that was going to create all for all posters worldwide for Ferrari. Oh! And so, if you had to ask them, they had to say no. 
I see. Although on the on the side, they're going, yeah, yeah, do it. That that's great, man. We and we'd like to get some. <laughs> yeah. And so because they were unable to give me written permission, and this news hit on Friday, one week before qualifying at oh, the race. Oh my gosh. So the posters have been printed and they've been distributed. And they're they're sitting at and Indianapolis has already gotten their posters and they're rolling them up and they're yeah. putting them in plastic sleeves and they're in the gift shops. Oh my gosh. And we get news that no, you can't do that. You gotta do something else. So I put a call in right away to both Williams and McLaren, their uh, marketing people. And um, the first one that got back to me was Williams. So they, they were in first. And then McLaren came at, came back and said, yeah, that'd be fine. Use our car in the picture also. So they were second. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just took an X-Acto knife and I just cut the Ferraris out. Oh, my gosh. I left everything else in place. I mean, it, the wheels, the, everything was the same as, yeah. as though they were Ferraris. I just cut the cars out. And, oh, my gosh. And put in the, <laughs> put in the livery of the, uh, of the Williams and the uh, McLaren. Oh, my gosh. And wow. we had to get the printer to reprint them on Monday right? and get them to Indianapolis on Wednesday and recall everything from all the stores. There must have been 700 of these things. Right. Oh, yeah. And they had already been inventoried and barcoded with little stickers on yeah, every plastic sure. bag. Yeah. So we're pulling posters out of plastic, putting new ones in. Wow. And, and to help them uh, do all that. And, and um, the, the effort wasn't lost on them that I uh. would. I was there to help straighten it out and make it right. But we were ordered to destroy all those posters. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, Indianapolis took them, and I don't know if they ever destroyed one of them, but they flattened them all out, and they were going to shred them and put them in a dumpster. Wow. Holy. There were another another, uh, 1,500 or 2,000 or so waiting in the wings, packed up, ready to be distributed also just sitting right there yeah. and so Ferrari, uh bridgestone made a deal with ferrari and said well i know we can't sell them at the race but can we give them away in europe oh. and ferrari said yeah yeah sure just don't sell them here okay and so bridgestone bought all the remainders from me and they packed them in their tire containers and shipped them off shipped to europe them off to europe oh my gosh what a story well you know i yeah i i worked with ferrari for years importing Ferrari branded products and it was a challenge all the way. There was just all these goofy rules and things that would pop up and one person would say one thing, one would say another. It was a real challenge working. But I was at that event. I remember that event. I was at the first one and the second one. I remember seeing you with your booth and yeah, it was a fantastic event. So here's the part that you're asking for though is what do you take away from that? Yes. And how do you respond and learn from that? There's two points. There was the you know, first, you know, it was about, well, it's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness and permission. permission you know, yes. that's, that's the old one. But it's almost like Ali on the ropes. If you're going to if they're going to be beaten on you, you kind of get back on the ropes and let them let them get it all out of their system. Because in the end, you can come out stronger for it from then on every single year, all the way through the end of the uh, run at Indianapolis, whenever I wanted to and needed to get Ferrari's permission in writing. To put their car on one of the posters, they always came through and they always gave me permission after that. Mm, wow. So yeah. it was a lesson. You, you persevere yeah. and you you take your shots and people, they, they respect you for it. And then they oftentimes will come through for you. Wow. What a story. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea. And tell us the steps you took to turn that into a success. 
Well, let's see. That could be the time when I discovered that if a driver signs your prints, it helped sell it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Aha, uh-huh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it was, I was working with Derek Bell. Nice. And I think he was the first one that, that signed, a, signed a print and we paid him in kind somehow. I, I think I either gave him some money or some art or something like that in a trade. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, it was a good way to get prints out there. I had a long run of uh, getting autographs and, and uh, on prints many, many times over. Very cool. Very cool. Well, how about Prodder's career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out for you? I'm proud of a lot of achievements. I think a real coup was I bid on and won the contract to do the um, event merchandise for the Baltimore Grand Prix. Hmm. I'd been designing some T-shirts and so on and at, at my booths, and, and we would sell merchandise and so on. I said, well, you know, we can go, on, since I live just down the road, I think we can go on a really big scale. My oldest son had just graduated from Maryland, and he was uh, graduated from the business school. Mm-hmm. And he, he'd been looking for work, and he hadn't really found anything. So he said, well, let's do this together. Let's, we'll develop a better website, and we'll, we'll get, the, uh, get all the merchandise together and I think we can do this. So we bid on the job, told them, went up and met with the people. And so we got the deal. It was huge. I had reached out to Long Beach. I'm good friends with um, the people in Long Beach, uh, Jim McCallion, the uh, president out there. Mm-hmm. I asked him, well, how much merchandise do you sell? And believe it or not, they spent a couple of days and gave me a full report. Said, this is how this is what we sold at last year's race. And this is how much this is how much men's stuff compared to women's stuff. This is how many shirts and this is compared to how many hats. And nice. Size breakdown. And, and this is this is what you would expect to uh, to do at a big event like Long Beach. And I mm-hmm. said, well, then I'm going to get twice as much stuff and go to Baltimore with twice as much stuff. It's wow. Because it was an, a, an inaugural event. Yeah. And we ran out of merchandise on Saturday morning. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was about noon. We ran out. And... People were trying to buy like the display samples yeah. off the wall, and and I told we have five five booths, and I said do not disturb any of the displays, keep everything intact. And what we did was we told people that they had to order it online, but they would get their order if they placed their order by the following Friday. We would fulfill every order we got. Nice. And so what about that shirt right there that's hanging there? That one's are even sold to somebody that placed the order online. Ah, and okay. so people go right to their phones, and we would hear the beep, beep, <laughs> beep. The nah, brilliant. <laughs> so we kept that going. We did that. Um, they changed ownership after that. Mm-hmm. But the following two years, we were able to, on, on our um, success of the first year and showing. And, and we also made a deal we, in our contract. We said, we will continue to pay you royalties all the way through the end of the year. And so even though the event was over on Labor Day, we kept selling stuff and we kept writing them royalty checks every every month. Oh, they loved you. All the, all the way through the end of the year. And I believe that that's the right thing to do and the right way to do it. You want to be straight up with, with people, course. especially when you're com- 
most of the guys we were competing against to do this deal, that that would be unheard of. Hey, the race is over, we're done, and we're blowing this stuff out, and you, you know right. you're, you won't see us again. Um, and that just wasn't the right way to do it. And so we got the deal the following two years also. So it was um, nice. That was a, a, we were really proud of that achievement. Of I would it. think so. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here now. Uh, this will be interesting because you said you kind of became a car guy later, but I always ask my guests this: What was your first really special car, and do you have a memory with that vehicle? I had a um, Triumph Spitfire. Oh, a cool! Seven Triumph Spitfire when I was uh, nineteen years old, and um, yeah, I had lots of good, uh, lots of good memories with that with that car. Some I can't share. <laughs> I won't go there. We'll move on. We'll move on. Well, how about how about the the car that got away? Is there a car you've owned that you wish you had back in your garage? I had a fire engine red XKE sixty nine convertible. Ooh! And I didn't own it for very long. The circumstances of me getting it, the circumstances of me getting rid of it, were just they. I think I had the car six weeks. Oh no! Oh wow! I would love to have that car oh, again. Oh gosh, they're so beautiful. They're just yeah. one of the most beautiful sports cars. It had a smell to it that was unlike anything else. I, I, really? The smell of, of leaking fuel and <laughs> rotting leather that was just... And burning so electricals, toxic. probably. Come on, it's something in there. So good. Yeah, challenge to stay on the road, but man, those are beautiful cars. Ah, they're just absolutely gorgeous. I love that. I think it was Enzo Ferrari that even said it was one of the most beautiful sports cars he'd ever seen when that came out, so... Very nice. Well, let's talk about today. What are you working on right now as far as your projects and art that has you really excited and fired up? Well, I tell you, to be honest, I've been working on I've been working on a house. I've been working on a new studio. Oh my goodness. I'm laying stone and doing the trim work and I've oh, got really? a couple of carpenters that are just excellent that have been working for about 3 months straight now. Uh-huh. Uh, exterior and porches and things and yeah it's coming along but this was a this was a rescue house this house was just um i like to say we found it at the pound and uh, <laughs> rescued it is it a very old house part of it is really old and part of it was an addition okay a bigger part of it was an addition that was built 16 17 years ago and then they it's, it's got good bones but it had a really poor floor plan and it was mm. just all cut up and it was it was wacky what's neat about the house is that it's it's right on the Chesapeake Bay with a dock and deep water for my sailboat and oh, all that's, that's wonderful the, the view is just heartbreaking to just a gorgeous view have you typically always worked from home your studio's been in your home yeah I have. Yes. Okay. Well, that's very nice to commute down the hallway, isn't it? So for the last uh, uh, six months or so, I've been commuting. Um, that's forty-five minutes each way. So that's a, a different life for me. Oh gosh, I'm yeah. Glad when this is over, but we move in June, so it's. Uh, oh well, that sounds awesome. Beautiful. I'm still painting. I'm still. I have projects going on, and um, go over there and painting. I think I'm just got word that I'm. I'm doing a. Emerson Fittipaldi piece for oh. Long Beach for the uh, uh, RRDC dinner. Uh, nice. Have it each year. And I, they take my painting and make it 27 feet wide by 10 feet tall on a stage backdrop. Oh, my light gosh. Lighting. And it's just to see your art that big yeah. is is really cool. So you you, you got to get out Put your best foot forward, and uh, yeah, <laughs> four hundred of the best people in racing are sitting there staring at it for three hours. Uh, yeah, wow, that sounds spectacular. So, another art form that I, that I enjoyed was the um, 
the cars. When I when I did a few cars, I did seven cars for Andy Evans with Scandia Racing back in the early nineties. Uh-huh. Did the the IMSA cars and did them as uh, art cars with stickers and vinyl, like, yeah, all colorful oh, shapes and stuff. Fantastic. And then in '94, I did an Indy car with uh, Buddy Lazier. And uh, many champs made a pretty cool model of the car that is a real collectible nice. model. Nice, nice. Uh, that's so, always fun to see your stuff on the track. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go back to those uh, art cars that BMW did; they're just so sure. iconic and cool. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations on doing that. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Randy. If Randy Owens was a car, what kind of car would he be, and why? I saw that question on your list, and I. <laughs> I will tell you what I've been – I just put like 130,000 miles on the car I drive all the time and uh-huh. I think about it, is a Honda Odyssey minivan. Oh, my goodness. Okay. The seats are stripped out and yeah. I uh, go down the road and throw anything I want in the back of that thing. And, yeah, and, it's your work, it's you know, work truck. I get, yeah. I get it done and, and uh, you know, I that's me. That's me driving we'll, around. We'll, con- we'll call so you we'll a Honda be, Odyssey. How's that yeah, go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, makes sense. You've spent 130,000 miles in that car. It is a part of you now. Sure. So, yeah, definitely. Well, Randy, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Randy, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? 
a mechanic once told me to get that wolf whistle out of this Triumph Spitfire, take it off the intake manifold. So you're going to burn your valves. Yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years as an artist? I think it's I think it's the habit of hard work. Mm, yeah. Hard work and and patience and make sure you um uh, do it right even if you have to do it over. Even if you've got to cut the cars, remove the Ferraris and, and yeah. add the Williams. Do you have a resource out there that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? It's not cars again. That's okay. Uh, I, I believe strongly in the uh, Habitat for Humanity has uh, restores uh, around the region and in this whole remodeling business and everything. It breaks my heart to see uh, people on HGTV take uh, sledgehammers to cabinets and stuff. Oh, take yeah. those things down and, and donate them. Donate your your used building materials uh-huh. and uh, and shop there. Go find uh, go find stuff that uh, that you can reuse and recycle. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's like people that take barns apart and all that wonderful old lumber. Oh yeah. That's got yeah. a just a, a personality and a texture and a look to it and everything. I remember growing up, the neighbor up the street, their front door on their house was a old ship's hatch. It was this big, heavy timbered wood with big straps of bronze around it. It was just some, and the the door handle was a cleat for tying a ship up to. It was just the most beautiful thing. You know, it had been refinished. It was quite beautiful, but they had a very modern home. It just kind of worked really well. Just remember, it was super heavy, though. You didn't want to slam your finger in that door. It'd take your finger off. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? David Hobbs. Oh, David Hobbs. Yeah, I'd love to get him on this show. Wouldn't he be fun? Yeah. 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 What is it about David Hobbs you like? He just came to mind quickly. Uh, I've had a drink with him a couple times. Nice. He's a a jolly guy. Just a good old chap. Yeah. Yeah, straight shooter. And um, I've had Lee Diffie on, who's one of the announcers for F1. I think he can help me get him on the show. So I'd love to have him on the show and talk with him. Seems like a wonderful guy. Now, how about a book? Is there a book out there that you'd like to share with the Car Show listeners that you've enjoyed? Let me me get back to you. Uh, Let me get back to you on that. Have you ever created a book on your artwork? I did. It was uh, it, it was called um, Randy Owens: A Ten Year Retrospective. So nice. It was published in 1988. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was way back. I've got people that regularly every year ask me when my next book is coming out, and I'm so well. It's soon now. It's gonna, now we're pushing 40 years. So I think this coming year is the year that um, that I'll put a book together. And I it's think it's time. It's a 40-year retrospective, and we're gonna, it's going to be a 200-page book, big book with everything. You let me know when that book comes out. We'll have you back, and we'll talk all about it. How's that sound? Yeah, thanks. The um, I, I had an, an occasion to um, a bunch of letters from a sixth-grade class uh-huh. in school, and they wanted me to come and be a guest reader and bring any book I wanted but come and read to them. And I had, I think, an hour and a half or something like that with this class. Wow. So I took a silk screen with me. I took I took the silk screen and some ink. It was a, like a little Porsche print I had done with it so we could just do one single color. And I took my book in. And then what I did as the guest reader was, it was probably the, the written part of the book. It was probably about 1,500 words or so. So it wasn't wasn't very long, but it was, it was really well written. And I had um, the kids in the class take turns and read uh, a paragraph or two from my book. And while they were reading, 
they would come up one other kids would come up one at a time and they would take a stroke making the silk screen and then they would make a print that they would take home and so we were doing as a live workshop while they read my own book it was sort of all twisted around and crazy but they they loved it and then they wrote me thank you letters afterwards so it was fun to get out with the kids sometimes. Oh, absolutely. That sounds fantastic. Got to send some inspiration their way. Who knows how many budding artists you got launched right there. So, right, right. Very nice. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Randy's been so kind to share on the Cars yeah website. Just go to carsyeah.com slash Randy Owens, and you'll find that. When that new book comes out, we'll have you come back, and we'll talk about that. It'd be fantastic. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Randy, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever car you'd like in the in the world today. What would that car be and why? I think it'd be that uh, that XKE Jag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, that, that'd be the one. You can buy me that. What color would you like that uh, XKE to be? Red, of course. A red? You want? Okay, red car. Yeah, okay. Red, red. Most people say British racing green, but I've seen them in red and, yeah. oh, they're beautiful. Uh, my, my listeners have heard this before, but the first matchbox by Leslie my father bought me back in 1964, I think it was, was a red Jaguar XKE. I still mm-hmm. have it sitting right here, right in front of me. Perfect. Um, yeah, it just was the launching point. He had a friend who had one. I remember getting a ride in one when I was little. And my dad went out and bought an MGTC that we used to drive around in. It was fun. But that Jaguar, and then when I started a detailing business in junior high and high school, I had a client with one. He used to let me drive it back to my house, and I just felt like I was a king in that thing. Ah, it was a beautiful, beautiful car. Well, Randy, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your colorful artistic automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners and me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset to that new home of yours in that red Jaguar XKE? (laughs) Oh, Mark, I don't know. Always find what you love to do and make yourself happy. Make make the people around you happy and um, find something you can do well and do it better than anyone you know. Absolutely. Um, and that will make you happy. That's so, the key to success. Yeah, stay with it. Practice. <laughs> Remember, we're all sharp on different edges. I like that. Very nice. Very nice. And what's the best way for our listeners to find you and look at the art that you're creating and buy some of your works? Well, we've got a, a website that's www.randyowens.com. Awesome. I would encourage you listeners that are not familiar with Randy, I don't know anybody who isn't, but if you haven't seen his work or maybe lately, check out the website. His work is extremely unique, very colorful, fun. Ah, I just love it. I've loved it for years, and I'm so excited that you've been a guest here on the show. I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!